Hi folks, it's good to be back with a new episode of the Abandoned America podcast. Before we get into the new episode, I wanted to do a quick bit of housekeeping here. As you may know, this is a bi-weekly podcast and I missed the last date. This is because for the last few episodes I've been trying to do the audio editing myself and I finally realized I hate it and I'm not good at it, so I need to go back to hiring an audio editor. The good news is that I'm working on funding that through my Patreon, and I wanted to give a huge thank you to everyone who supports this podcast and my website there. But if I'm successful with that, I'm going to stop posting seasons of the podcast and just post it continuously throughout the year instead. There's a bit more I'd like to say about this, so stick around after the episode if you're interested and I'll fill you in. Moving on to the episode today, I am really looking forward to sharing this one with you. The next two episodes are sort of a two-parter, although you don't really need to listen to one to understand the other. One of the subjects I've really wanted to cover in the podcast is the history of urban exploration. For better or worse, over the last 20 or so years, public awareness of photography and exploration of abandoned buildings has really exploded. Certainly the fascination with ruins has existed well before that, and I'm hoping to delve into that in the future. But I think it's pretty safe to say urban exploration can be considered both a counterculture and its own contemporary art genre. If we're looking at it in those terms, it's clear that it's a subject that merits its own history, right? Well, in the next two episodes, my guest is somebody who is undeniably one of the most influential people in the rise and prominence of the subject. He prefers not to use his real name and instead goes by Avatar X, and he founded the website UER.ca, which stands for Urban Exploration Resource. Now, if you've been in exploring for any length of time or know anything at all about the scene, that's really all the introduction we need here because you already know who he is. If you're not familiar with him, I'm here to make the case for why you should be. In this episode, Avatar X and I are going to be talking about Jeff Chapman, better known as Ninjalicious, who is said to have coined the term urban exploration and was an advocate of it before websites dedicated to the subject were really even a thing. Ninjalicious created a zine called Infiltration, the zine about going places you're not supposed to go, and later the website Infiltration.org and the book Access All Areas, a user's guide to the art of urban exploration. He was also a friend and an inspiration to Avatar X, and we're going to talk about why, if you're looking at urban exploration in terms of being its own counterculture or art movement, you really need to understand who he is. In the second episode, we're going to talk about Avatar X and UER.ca's role in creating a community around exploration and why that was so important. With that, let's move on to the episode. As always, I'm Matthew Christopher, and you're listening to Abandoned America. Avatar X, thank you so much for being here today. It's really an honor. I'm so excited to talk to you. Hello. It's really great to be on your podcast. And thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm very happy that you agreed to do it. Uh, Really shout out to Sean for the introduction on that, because there may be people out there that are doing this that are either just sort of casually interested or have only got into exploration and I don't know, let's say like the last three years might not even really have an idea of the positioning of both of you here. So I think maybe the best thing to do is to start out with Ninjalicious because I sort of, as I was working on this chronologically, I thought, okay, that, that seems like that makes the most sense. And you two were friends. How did you first meet? Oh boy. I think we first emailed when I had ordered a back copy of all of his zines which is which is what infiltration was, by the way. That that's the the term he also started and the website he started infiltration, and it was these zines 
which were like photocopied little booklets that you could buy at like little video stores and things like that. Remember video stores? Mm -hmm. And I had ordered a, a set of back issues and after, you know, I was a teenager and impatient and they hadn't arrived. And so I emailed him and I'm like, where are the zines? And that was probably the first time I actually spoke with him. And he was like, yeah, yeah, they're coming. They're coming. But <laughs> I think it probably was a few years after we became friends online before we actually met in person for the first time. And I think memory fails me, but I think we went exploring. I think we went and explored the the University of Toronto trying to get into the steam tunnels at some point. But our, our friendship really blossomed out of trying to create this sort of joint website, which which became Urban Exploration Resource, which we can talk about a little bit more about the history there later. Yeah, that that's kind of what brought us together. And then we became friends and occasionally explored together and had lots of discussions about what urban exploration should be or should mean. Ninjalicious, who his sort of given name is Jeff Chapman, and that's something that we talked about a little bit beforehand. That that's uh, you know that was something that he had an article. So um, I'll, I'll refer to him as Ninjalicious throughout this. But just if I do mention Jeff, uh, the listeners will know who I'm talking about. Jeff was born in 1973, and he was a Toronto urban explorer, fountaineer, writer, and as as you mentioned, um, he founded the Zine Infiltration, the Zine about going places that you're not supposed to go. What a great name. I love it. Yeah, it is. For me, urban exploration is, you know, one of those things that's always been an in- interesting thing. Uh, I see an abandoned building, you're like, oh, what is that? That's cool. But I never really considered it something serious until I, somebody mentioned to me that Toronto had an abandoned subway station. And I was like, abandoned subway station? That's, that's crazy. I was riding the subway every day to go to work at this time. And I Googled Toronto abandoned subway. And the first hit was this page on infiltration about exploring it. And one of the nice things about infiltration is it, it was more of a more of a magazine in terms of the writing style as compared to like, it wasn't just like a, a, a log of, of things or just photos. It was really well-written, interesting stories. And I read this story and I just, I couldn't get enough of it. And so I discovered it from, from the internet. But yeah, they were available in in variety of like independent video stores all over the city. He started the zine in 1996 and started the website Infiltration in 1997, if I'm correct, which I, I think is wild because like for reference for people out there, Google wasn't started until 1998. Yep. Very old school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really kind of an early period for the internet. And, you know, I went in this, like, what's the history of the internet? And I was like, oh my God, this is too big and complicated to work this into it. But the point is, I think Google's a good benchmark for, you know, just saying how how early he was putting things out there about this. So the zine was 25 issues. And the first one started with uh, his obsession in the Royal York Hotel. And he said in a interview with you that he wrote it so he didn't have to tell the same story over and over again. I don't know. I might, I might, these are my original copies. Oh, that's so neat. So hold on. I think I have the whole set here. I'm not sure, but. (laughs) Oh, that's that's amazing. That's what they looked like. I would, I would love to see this. Infiltration basically covered all sorts of places, not just abandoned buildings. It was how to get into hotel pools and score free food and get onto rooftops and into steam tunnels and, you know, military remnants, employee areas, construction sites, just places that were typically viewed as off limits. 
And in a way, I feel like his book and the magazine was in a little way, like sort of a spiritual successor to Abby Hoffman steal this book, but he was maybe a little more gentle. The point is that, you know, he was talking about this joy of traversing the city and going into places that you might be unfamiliar with and discovery. And I, I really get the sense that that was really something that, that brought joy to him. That was a passion and it was a passion that he wanted to share with others. Very much so. I think that you can find this story on the website, but uh, the history of why he started it is that he was in the hospital. I think he was waiting a, a liver transplant or something. So it's one of those like long hospital stays and he just got really bored and started just exploring the hospital. And And this was one of those hospitals that's had expansions and extensions and wings added on. So it's just an absolute maze of of corridors and abandoned sections and roofs that you're not really supposed to get onto. But yeah, he was very much the type of person who just always was interested in what's behind that door. And one of my favorite sort of memories of exploring with him that that isn't even a specific memory, but just, he just, he looked very, I don't want to say that he looked plain, but he looked like somebody who, who was not noticeable. He was just some guy and he spoke very softly And he was absolutely excellent at social engineering and just sort of knowing exactly what to say to get out of a situation. And so that certainly helped him anytime he was exploring someplace where there was a likelihood of of getting caught or at least getting approached. He would just kind of talk his way out of whatever it was that would, would happen. There was several times we were exploring together when faculty member at the university or whatever would approach us and would essentially be like, what are you guys doing here? And he would just be like, oh, we're just looking around and like, well, can I help you find something? He would just say, no. <laughs> and and just kind of like people would be taken aback because they'd sort of expect him to be deferential and and sort of be like, oh, I'm really sorry. Like kind of know that he'd done something wrong. But from in his mind, he, he had never done anything wrong. He was he was just a person that was interested in seeing what was behind that door uh, or where did this corridor go? And it was, it was really refreshing. I never really looked at us as equals, certainly at the time. He was older than me and much more established, but exploring with him was always a treat. And that's one of the things that I think really comes through in what he did was that there was this, this kind of discovery of the hidden life of the city around you. Very much so. It was also an act of liberation, you know, and to what you were saying, one of the quotes that there are actually two quotes that I really liked that he had that were about how he would get away with things. And one of them was, he said, I'm caught all the time. I just smile, shrug, and leave in a way that says, you got me. I've learned my lesson. Goodbye. (laughs) I humbly walk, not run away to live and explore another day. And I guess that one was a little more about how to vacate if you feel like you have to. But the other one, and I just thought this was not just a really good quote about being in areas where you're not supposed to, but also just just kind of like a, a philosophy of life. He said, You should try to behave like a stereotypical Texan. Smile and wave at people who make even tentative eye contact. Speak loudly and laugh frequently. Make it clear as can be that you're not trying to hide or go unnoticed, but that you want to share all that you have to offer with the world. And I just thought, what a a beautiful way of processing this. It's not something where he was going in with ill intent. It's not something that he was going into harm anything. And we'll talk a little bit about his and your ethics but I mean, I think both of you, it was something where it really seems like it's its just this sense of kind of experiencing. And why should you feel guilty about that? Why should you feel like that's thing you should be ashamed of? 
I think on that subject, there's it's. I think it's in one of the zines. There's an article that's. I think it's called "Not Authorized" or something. And basically, it goes on to say that Ninjalicious authorizes the reader. I authorize you. <laughs> and essentially, what it's referring to is all those signs that say "authorized personnel only." And he he questions that. He says, "Well, who is this?" authority that is issuing this authorization. Well, why not me? I now hereby authorize you, the reader, for any and all times when you might need to be authorized. And if you think about it, there are so many places where a simple sign that says authorized personnel only will keep out everyone. You don't need a lock. You don't need a a deadbolt. Just most people are too afraid to go past a sign whether they're not supposed to be there. And this kind of refreshing I just, I authorize you to be there and, you know, damn the consequences is, right. is it's just sort of his sort of almost childish uh, worldview. It was, it was so, it was so wonderful in a way that I don't know if, if it's, I don't think anyone has come along that's, that's got quite that same attitude. Yeah, I, I would agree. I find it hard to quantify exactly what it is. It's kind of an innocence. And when I say innocence, yeah. I mean, people think about that as derogatory or diminutive term. And I don't mean it in that way. I just mean it like kind of what he was saying about you want to share all that you have to offer with the world, that that was what he wanted to do. He wanted to share the excitement of going into areas and finding things that people had sort of walled off from you. But yeah, there was no malice in it, no no pretentiousness. No. He really seemed like a very humble sort of guy. And, and it wasn't like when he was going out and talking about this stuff, it wasn't about fame. It was more to promote acceptance of exploration as a hobby. And it was really also mostly for his own curiosity. I mean, yes, he took photos occasionally and he published stories in the zine, but he wasn't doing it for, for Twitter likes or, or Facebook or YouTube or anything. I mean, he barely carried a camera. And if it was, it was probably just a, like a simple film-based point and shoot. But mostly, it was just like an insatiable curiosity that drove him to, to look behind every door. And somehow there's just some beauty to that, just doing it for yourself and not for recognition or, or like you said, fame. The whole act then of creating the zine in the book was like sharing that with people and giving it to other people, which I think is really cool, too. And more about sharing the experience rather than look at me. Yes. Look at what I did. Right. And I feel like that's something that unfortunately has changed a little bit over the years. But yeah, so he coined the term urban exploration. Did he ever talk to you about that? No, I mean, I feel like, first of all, he was extremely humble all the time. While I I believe he probably was the first person to use the term, he was never the type of person who would be like, oh yeah, I came up with that. He would just be like, oh, well, that's just, that was the term that seemed the most fitting. And so while while he probably did coin it, uh, I feel like if you pressed him on it, he'd be like, no, no, I, it wasn't me. Or I, I'm sure I read it somewhere. But by 2002, when UER was started, it was definitely a term that was was in fairly common parlance with the type of people that were doing this. There were many websites out there of local urban exploring groups that were that were sort of very small kind of blog style websites. And they would use the term UEA comes to mind, which was Urban Exploration Alberta, UEC, which was Urban Exploration Canada that was based out of Barrie. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a bunch of these. So I would say that by the time I, I sort of arrived on the scene, it was it was a, a term that was in 
frequent use and, and certainly not unknown to people doing it. What you would often find is something you mentioned at the top of this interview, which is people who've been only doing it for three years or something, they wouldn't even know what it was called. They would maybe just be like, oh yeah, abandoned buildings are cool. Or like, I really like sneaking around in steam tunnels. Certainly university culture, that's a big thing there. So it was, it was one of those things where people would often not even realize what they were doing had a name. And there were lots of those posts on, on the early days, people being like, oh, wow, I just found this site. I didn't even know this was a thing. So it was always, always cool to, when people sort of learned about it. Yeah, I'm definitely going to circle back to this because I feel like that is something that UER just is, is unmatched in its influence and how it has changed people's lives in that sense. I mean, I think Ninjalicious really was the one to come out and bring this out to the public and kind of say, hey, look, it's okay if you do this. It's okay if you're interested in this. What was it like when you met with him? Like, how would you describe him as a person? Very humble, very quiet, very curious. Like I said before, almost almost felt like a like a child and just sort of childlike wonder of of just sort of wanting to know what things were going on. Gosh, it's been it's been close to twenty years since he's gone. So, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm going to be I'm going to be wrong on a lot of the details, but it was always a joy just sort of being in his presence because he just exuded a certain confidence that. I certainly didn't feel at the time. I mean, I was only in my early 20s when when we first started hanging out. And there was just something about him that, yeah, I don't even know how to put it. He, he uh, Another thing he was, was, was extremely amenable, where anytime there was some kind of conflict or some kind of like question about what, what the right path forward should be with regards to like a decision on how uh, the forum should be run or or two people were having some kind of argument, he just sort of, he knew how to solve it. He was very diplomatic, almost selflessly so. And so I think that's why his death was such uh, an impact on the community. Uh, it wasn't just because of, of what he had done for the community, but also just because he was so selfless. And how do I put this? He was irreplaceable. Yeah. Yeah. I really got that sense in the way that you talk about him and, and, how you've sort of memorialized him that a, that he was somebody that you looked up to quite a bit and very much, but, but B that he also was somebody that you respected quite a bit. And they're different things, looking up to somebody and respecting them and coming along in your life and saying, Hey, look, this person who was formative in my experience of this thing is still somebody that I think is like a really good guy. Oh yeah. That's, that's pretty fortunate. I was kind of looking through some of the older posts as I was, I was going through this in the articles that I was reading about it. As you mentioned, you know, in 2005 at 31, um, he died of liver cancer and that was just one month before access all areas, a user's guide to the art of urban exploring was published. And he apparently was working on it while he was supposed to be working on his job. He would just sit there. He he worked for some magazine at the time and and he would just sit there working on this book because he just he wanted to get it done. I guess he knew the the end was near. In looking through the posts that are about this, it's hard to, even though I'm not part of that, I never met him. It's it's hard not to feel this ragged wound that that was. One of the things that you wrote 
was the part that I loved most about Ninja was his ability to always have something positive to say. He had a way about him that was disarming, and people seemed to like him before he even opened his mouth. Online, that talent made him the perfect diplomat as he diffused situations before they became volatile, which, as an aside here, is kind of what you were just saying a moment ago. Yep, yep. And then you you went on, Ninjalicious may be gone, but as long as we don't forget him and the influence he had on us, he will never truly die. And again, this is something that, you know, perhaps I'll kind of get into a little bit more in a minute. But UER has really played a key role in keeping infiltration and Jeff's memory alive. You know, that's something that you've really put some effort into, again, in the radio show that you did with them. He, uh, was, <laughs> oh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was fun to listen. To. <laughs> Actually, that's that radio show, which which you can find linked somewhere on UER. That was, uh, we had a friend uh, who worked at a radio, like an actual radio uh, studio. And we just went there and we're like, let's just fiddle with this equipment. We basically had access to these recording booths and 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 proper microphones and equipment and everything. And and we were like, let's do this silly radio show. And, you know, the radio show itself is very, is very uh, good. But then the commercials that we, Jeff and I literally just sat there and wrote these stupid commercials and just thought they would be hilarious. And that was his sense of humor coming through. Yeah. Stork markets. <laughs> yeah, that that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to listen to. And and also, I mean, I think, you know, just looking back and being like, my God, 2005. That yep. was, that was, goodness, that was a long time ago. But I mean, he mentioned, I think it was in that interview, he mentioned that people had complained about infiltration to the web host because it was supporting illegal activity or whatever, and that it had gotten taken down before. And now it kind of has a home on UER and it's something where you're keeping that alive for. So actually, I don't actually host infiltration on UER. I I believe that obviously whatever thing that got taken down, they obviously fixed it. But I think uh, someone associated with Ninja is still keeping the website alive. I'm not actually sure who is hosting it, but... Uh, if it ever does go down, I would be happy to step in. But uh, I think whoever's in charge of that is is doing a fine job keeping that around. Oh, okay. Um, I, I may have I, I may have made a mistake there in the sense that I know that you have links to it, and it's something that is very easy to find through your. There site. is one one thing where we are sort of hosting it, which is if you go to infiltration and you click the forum button, you will now find yourself on UER, but it still looks like infiltration. Yes. And that uh, we can talk about why that is and how that came to be when you want to talk about the history of UER. But essentially, I I, I won't take credit for hosting infiltration because I'm not, but oh, just I wanted to circle back. Uh, if, if people aren't aware, uh, Ninja wasn't just the guy who started infiltration. He also ran a bunch of other very silly websites, including a humor magazine called Yip, mm-hmm. which... Uh, is just full of, I think I have a few copies of those over here too, but um, it's just full of absolutely non sequitur, ridiculous humor. And I think part of what made him so compelling is that he was an excellent writer and his style and humor just sort of come through in anything he writes. And it's just makes it a pleasure to read whatever it is that, that he's written, including infiltration, but I read I read some of that today too, and, and uh, you definitely get that sense even from the interview with him that he was somebody who had a healthily developed sense of goofiness, which I appreciate. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> if you don't mind me asking this, if this is too much of a personal question, you know, we can kind of edit it out or whatever. But how would you say his death affected you? It it hit it hit pretty hard. I mean, we weren't like 
the closest friends or anything. We were we were just sort of friends. But man, uh, I I I was lucky enough that I got to see him the day before in the hospital, and he was pretty out of sorts. And I I would like to remember him more as the sort of very vibrant and funny person that he was, and that presents himself in in that book and in his zines and in his posts and in his interviews, because you know he he definitely he definitely didn't deserve to die so young and it was a great loss for, for the community. And I mean, I felt it for sure. Like, I, I don't want to sound selfish or anything, but I still miss him to this day. I, uh, I think that urban exploration was forever changed for the negative by his passing, but thankfully his legacy and the things that he, that he developed, you know, people still, I'm sure find his, his content today, his zines and his, and his website. And I think some of the, the things that he sort of popularized, the sort of more narrative style storytelling, I think is still occasionally seen uh, around the, around the web. And so I was young and I didn't really know how to feel, but it, it definitely affected me more than, than I would have admitted at the time. How old were you roughly? 2005. I would have been 23. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's awfully young to lose somebody else who is also awfully young. Um, Really sorry for your loss. I was going through a lot of your old posts on UER today to try and get a feel for the timeline of things and things that I might ask you and just the general history. And I mean, I think that's something that, you know, you just see again and again and again is that you cared very deeply about him, that you want to keep his memory alive. I don't think there was anyone I respected more, honestly. And following his death, because he had taken a somewhat active role in the sort of administration of, of UER, which was you know, he was one of the administrators and whenever there was some conflict about something, I'm sure you can imagine when you get a bunch of people together who like breaking rules (laughs) and you ask them to all follow a bunch of rules, you know, for the site, you're going to have conflicts. And, uh, some of the conflicts that, that happened on that site were legendary. And with, with his passing, there was a large amount of like discussions about like, oh, well, Ninja would have done it this way, or there was disagreements. There was yeah, I think uh, if if he hadn't passed, the site might have turned out different in the end, because it was very much in its infancy when when he died. So, I mean, it may be, but I, I think one thing is really very very clear to me as an outside observer, and that is, you're a very good friend, and he's very lucky to have you. You were lucky to have him. Yeah, I just I just uh, thought that was. Uh, really meaningful how it is very clear to you to honor that memory and to keep him, you know, alive and in the hearts and memories of people. So um, I really appreciate you talking with me about that and sharing that with the people that are listening to this. Again, like I said, I felt like his story was one that I really, really wanted to kind of talk about because of how influential he was and, and just what an amazing guy he seemed like. Yeah. And I mean, if, if I think if, if you're listening to this and you want to get to know him, he really expressed himself in his work. So read his book, read his, his zine entries, and you will, you will really get to know him in that way. And, and you won't be disappointed for doing so. I will definitely have those in the show notes as well so that you can check those links out and go to them. Ev, I want to thank you so much for sharing Ninjalicious's story and legacy with us. In the next episode, we'll be back to talk about how your work on UER.ca has helped shape the landscape of urban exploration. To my listeners, thank you so much for joining us. 
If you'd like to learn more about Ninjalicious or Avatar X, I encourage you to check the show notes. They're on my website, AbandonedAmerica.us, and you can click the podcast tab at the top and then select this episode on Ninjalicious to find them. I also recommend checking out UER.ca and Infiltration.org. Finally, as I mentioned, we're at a critical time with funding the podcast, so if you'd like to contribute, you can go to Patreon.com slash AbandonedAmerica or just click the Patreon link on the Abandoned America website, and you'll get all sorts of cool perks like advanced podcasts and website galleries and a lot more. I'd really like to thank everyone who has done so thus far. We couldn't have done this without you. Hope you enjoyed the episode, and thanks for listening. <laughs>